Today we're continuing in our series, Five Habits of a Disciple. Uh, we're already in week four in this series, and so if it's your first time with us, let me uh, explain where we've been and the whole purpose of, of this series that we're doing. Jesus' resurrection from the dead has changed everything in our life. Uh, it have, it's, of course, changed the ending of our life because Jesus died He's forgiven our sins. Because he rose from the dead, he's now ascended into heaven, ruling all things. And our ascended Lord and Savior has said that because he lives, we also will live. He said that whoever believes in him shall live even though they die. And Jesus is Lord of lords. He has conquered the grave. He rose himself. And so he says to you and me, I will raise you from the dead. It has changed the ending of our story. But it changes not just then, it changes now. And that's what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. How does it change us now? And what does it mean to be a disciple? We've been working with this working definition of a disciple that a disciple is a follower who puts into practice what they've learned. A follower who puts into practice what they've learned. And what have we learned over the last couple of weeks? Well, we've seen that disciples look, have eyes open for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. We've seen that disciples look to do good in this world. And as disciples, as we have our eyes open for opportunities... As we look to do good, we're going to have the opportunity to talk to people. And that's what we're looking at today. Disciples talk to people. God has given you and me this, this special gift to communicate with others. Whether it's speaking words or write, written word, God has given us an amazing gift to communicate with others. And that communication is powerful. Just think of the beginning of the Bible. How did God create the world? He didn't paint it. He sculpted humanity, sure, but the rest of the world he didn't sculpt. How did he create it? Let there be. He spoke it into existence. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be the sun, moon, and stars. And there they were. God said, let the, the land produce vegetation. And it happened. God said, let there, the land be filled with creatures that move along the ground. Let the sky be filled with birds in the air. And it was so. God spoke. And things came into being. Because words are powerful. But maybe you're sitting here today thinking, yeah, God's word's powerful. But maybe not so much mine. If I had that power, I don't know about you, but if I had that power, I think I'd have perfect health. The kink that's in my shoulder would be healed. And I'd have millions and millions and millions of dollars in my bank account uh, because all I would have to do is say, let there be money. And there'd be money. Let me be healed. And I'd be healed. Let me get 10 hours of sleep at night. And I'd get 10 hours of sleep at night. 
It would be wonderful. I could create things into existence. Our words don't have quite that power. But what does Proverbs 18, verse 21 say? The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The words that come out of our mouth, the Bible says, has the power of life and death in it. Our words can lift a spirit or our words could kill a spirit. Our words can build somebody up or tear them down. Words are powerful. And so what we're going to talk about today is how disciples talk. We're going to answer three questions. Uh, Number one, how do disciples talk? Number two, why does it matter how disciples talk? And then number three, how do we move forward with confidence to talk to people? Number one, how do disciples talk? Number two, why does it matter how disciples talk? Number three, how do we move forward in confidence to talk to people? All of this is answered for us in Ephesians chapter 4. If you remember back to last week, Ephesians was a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul in 61 AD to the Christians living in a city known as Ephesus. Paul wrote it from prison, and he wrote it as a letter of encouragement to, his, uh, to the people there. And the first half, the first three chapters, deal all about what God has done for the people, what God has done for us. The second half is now, look what God has done for you. Here's what we do as disciples. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gets to how we talk and communicate with one another. Here's what we're told. Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that I may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Notice what Paul says. How do we communicate? How do we talk as disciples? He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And so your first point this morning right away is disciples do not use words that are rotten. And I picked that word on purpose. Uh, The Greek word that is translated unwholesome means unwholesome. It's a word sarpus. Uh, It means rotten. It means evil. It means putrid. It's the word that's used when your peach is on your counter and it's nice and juicy peach, but then you kind of forget about it over the week and that nice juicy peach all of a sudden gets that bruise on the side and it starts to go rotten. That is the word that Paul is using. Rotten language. Paul says, don't let any rotten talk come out of your mouth. What does that include? Vulgarities, condescending words, disrespectful words, 
hurtful, offensive words, coarse, crude joking. It includes words that would be associated with bullying, demeaning, anything that isn't God-pleasing. Paul, it even includes idle words, words that don't really benefit anybody, just speaking to speak. Rotten words. Paul says, as disciples, we don't let rotten words out of our mouths. We don't let rotten words out of our mouths. And it includes all of those things. Instead, what does come out of our mouths? Words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs. And that's your next point. Disciples use words that build up and benefit those who listen. Paul says, only speak words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We don't let rotten, unwholesome words come out of our mouths. Instead, Paul says, build up and benefit those who listen. How do we know what builds somebody up? How do we know what benefits somebody else? You have to listen first, right? You have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. If we want to build somebody up, we need to know what they need to be built up. If we want our speech to be something that's beneficial, we have to know how it's going to benefit that person, and how do we know unless if we listen to that person first? Disciples don't let any rotten words come out of our mouths. Instead, only what is building and up others and beneficial for others. And so what does your speech look like? What are the words that are normally coming out of your mouth? What words do you communicate? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I hear the, the different de descriptions. Don't let any rotten words come out of, out of your mouth. And I would say, well, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I don't want to speak in a vulgar way. I don't want to slander and gossip. I don't want to be disrespectful and, and harsh. I don't want to be offensive. And yet, what comes out of our mouths? Is it the words that build others up and that are beneficial for others? Or do I find rotten language coming out of my mouth? I get an email, and I, I read into the tone, an aggressive tone, and what's my first instinct? Is it, hey, I want to respond in a way that's beneficial for this person? Or is it, well, I'm going to tell this person what I think, and I sit down and write my own aggressive email right back and send it. I'm on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, and we see something, we read something, 
that just fires that anger in our belly. And so what do we do? We quick type something up, send. We're in the Facebook group where all the complaining's happening, and we start thinking, you know what? Yeah, they're right. And then we write down our own complaint and send it in to keep stirring the pot. We go out and we run errands and we ask our spouse if they could do something while we're out and about. We get home and they don't do it. And in fact, the house is a mess. The kids are all over the place. And what's the first instinct? To speak kindly and compassionately or to let that anger that's burning inside to just spew out hurtful language? What is your first response? What words are coming out of your mouth? It's not just anger and fear that cause us to say all kinds of hurtful, rotten language. There's other ways too, isn't there? The reality is, what makes people laugh? Vulgarities coarse joking, crude language. And we like to entertain people. And so we sacrifice godliness and let rotten words come out of our mouth for a few laughs. We like to be people who have something to talk about. We like to be the person who has news and news to share. And so we let the rotten words of gossip and slander out of our mouth. Whether it's true or false, it's still gossip and slander. What words are coming out of your mouth? Are they words that are beneficial to others and building others up? Or is it rotten, unwholesome talk? Paul says, how do we talk as disciples? How do we talk as followers of Jesus who learn from him and put into practice what he teaches? We don't let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. That's how we talk. Why does it matter how we talk? Unwholesome language, unwholesome talk, rotten talk does three things. Number one, it hurts our reputation. It hurts the reputation of the speaker. So you. Instead of being known as a godly person, you're known as someone who speaks a lot of vulgarities. Instead of being known as a trusted confidant, you're known as a gossip. Instead of being known as a a godly Christian, you're vulgar to get a few laughs. Instead of being known as patient, kind, and loving, you're known as someone who is anger and short-tempered. God wants us to speak in a way that keeps our reputation good. Because when those rotten words come out of our mouth, it hurts our own reputation. But it also hurts others. Our language and the way we talk can and does hurt others. And that's what they learned. Uh, There's a, a story, supposedly a true story, back in the 1920s, uh, a priest was distributing mass uh, in church. 
And behind him stood a boy who was assisting him in Mass, holding the cup of wine. And as the priest was going, distributing the bread, the boy dropped the chalice of wine all over the place. And the priest turned around and in a moment of anger, slapped the boy across the face and said, leave the altar and don't come back. Now I'm sure if the priest were here today and we asked him about it, I'm sure he'd be full of regret. I'm sure he would say, I didn't handle that properly. I shouldn't have let those words come out of my mouth, but they did. And he couldn't take them back. And that boy never came back to church. That boy's name was Tito, and he grew up to be the father of communism in Yugoslavia. Words have the power to crush a spirit, and that boy never came back to church because his priest told him, leave and don't come back. If you want to ruin your marriage, use rotten language. If you want to crush your children's spirit, let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If you want to ruin business relationships, speak in such a way that that it's just rottenness spewing all over the place. If you want to ruin friendships, talk in an unwholesome way. Spirits will be crushed. Relationships end as people's spirits are crushed. Why does it matter the way we talk? It hurts our reputation. It hurts others. But most importantly, notice what Paul said. It grieves the Holy Spirit. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who has sealed you for the day of redemption. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do for us? The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit calls you and me. He invites us into God's family. He enlightens us as he makes known to us God's word so that we understand and trust God's word. He creates, strengthens, and maintains our faith And he calls us to a holy living, a sanctified life. He leads us and guides us. And he has sealed you as one of God's children for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit's going around the world saying, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. When Jesus comes back, these are the ones that he's coming back to get. And when we speak with rotten words, it mourns the Holy Spirit because he looks and he says, not that one. I sealed that one for the day of redemption and they're speaking in an ungodly way. Not in a heavenly way, but on the devil's side. They're speaking with rotten language, not in a godly way. Why does it matter? It hurts our reputation, hurts others, and it grieves God himself. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a sobering message. Uh, as someone who talks, and depending on who you ask, I talk a lot, uh, this is a sobering message. Because what's found in my heart comes out of my mouth. What, what comes out of our mouth really comes from our heart, right? It's from the heart that sin and evil is stored up and then comes out. And, and, and so the more I talk, the more I find 
unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth. And it leads us to a point where we almost despair. I don't know about you, but as I worked through this message, I thought to myself, you know what? I just want to go to my house. I want to go to my bedroom, close the door. I don't want to interact with anybody or talk to anybody because uh, it, look at this. It's all, how can I do this? How could I go forward with confidence to talk to people? And I think that's how Isaiah felt. Isaiah was a prophet in 700 B.C. 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah was sent uh, to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, to bring God's word to them. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw uh, this vision of God, which we think would be really cool, but Isaiah didn't think so. Isaiah is standing there, and he sees God on his throne, and at the, the base of God's throne were flames and fire, and there's all these angels surrounding God singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And do you know how Isaiah responded to that vision? Woe is me! Woe is me, I am ruined! Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah knew that the words that had come out of his mouth were rotten. They were unwholesome. And he stood before God in despair. But do you know what God did? He sent an angel to the base of the throne to get a coal. And that burning coal, he flew to Isaiah and touched Isaiah's lips in this vision. And what did God say? You're right, you have un unclean lips? No. He said, see, your guilt has been paid for and your sin atoned for. God had taken that coal and purified the very mouth of Isaiah that had poured out all these rotten words. He purified the mouth and said, see, I have taken away your guilt, your sin has been atoned for. And then God does something really cool from his throne. He says, who are we going to send to talk on our behalf? Who are we going to send to go out and talk to people for us? And Isaiah looks around and he says, well, here I am. Send me. The person who was so despairing because of the unclean words that came out of his mouth, now had changed to where he says, I want to go and talk to people. I don't want to hole up in my house. I want to go out and talk to people. How did he have that confidence? The forgiveness of his God. The fact that God the Father forgave him for all the sins that came out of his mouth. He now wants to go use his mouth to talk and praise and glorify and honor God and spread God's word to other people. And he does so with confidence in the forgiveness of sins. That's what God has done for you. Not with a burning coal, but through his son Jesus, who took all of your sins, all of your rotten language, who took all the unwholesome talk that has come out of your mouth, all the vulgarities, all the ungodly speech, 
all the gossip and slander, Jesus took it all on himself and he nailed it to the cross. And through the shedding of his blood, he forgave each and every one of your sins. He atoned, made up, paid for every single sin that has come out of your mouth. He has removed your guilt forever. It is that forgiveness that gives us the confidence to go and talk. And that's your last point. Disciples take confidence in God's word of forgiveness. And that's what Paul says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. At the cross of Christ, your sins have been forgiven. And not only your past sins, but the sins of the future too. We go to bed every single night knowing that our sins are forgiven, that they've been atoned for, that our guilt is removed because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. It's that forgiveness that motivates us, gives us the confidence to say, here am I, let me go talk to people. And now, let me change the way I talk. Let me build others up instead of tearing them down. When someone hurts me, disappoints me, instead of responding in anger back, I'm going to respond with kind and compassionate words, forgiving them. And instead of uh, being known as a vulgar person, I'm going to be known as a godly person by the way I speak. Instead of being known as a gossip, I'm going to guard my lips so I can be someone's confidant. I'm going to build others up with words of encouragement. And when some, a hard conversation has to happen, I'm going to wrap it in love. Speak the truth in love. To the praise and glory and honor of our God, we're going to go and talk to others. We're going to build them up, and we're going to benefit those who listen by the way we talk. May God be praised and glorified and honored in all we do and all we think and all we say. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you that you've given us this wonderful gift of communication that we get to talk to others, that we can write to others, that we can communicate to others. Uh, it is a special privilege, and we thank you for it, and we know the power that is behind it. We know the power of your words when you say, peace be with you, that our sins are forgiven, uh, that you are with us. We know that, that there's power in your word, but there's power in ours as well. And we thank you that we get to build others up, that we get to benefit those who listen to us when we do speak. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak so that uh, the words of our mouths may benefit all who listen and build others up. Uh, guard our lips uh, that we may speak only in a way that glorifies and honors you. We ask you to be with us. Send your spirit to guide us, to lead us, to sanctify us through your son, Jesus, our Savior. In your name we pray. Amen.